0: it's time for another episode of corner of the galaxy from the box the show that gets you behind the scenes of the la galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and mls experts your hosts for the day are corner of the galaxy's josh Gesman and la times soccer reporter kevin baxter let's start the show Hello everybody, welcome to Corner of the
1: Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host Josh Gessman, joining me Mr. Kevin Baxter of the LA Times. We have another fun off-season show prepared for you today, coming to you on Monday, November 6th. Uh, It's not any closer to January, or at least very very few days closer to January than our last uh, podcast, so... There's not a ton happening, but as always, Kevin and I are able to find some things to talk about with the LA Galaxy. And, uh, you know, for once, Kevin is actually in a single spot. Uh, He's actually where he's supposed to be at home. He's not off covering the World Series. Uh, He's not at an NBA basketball game covering the Clippers. Uh, And then, Kevin, what are you doing later this week?
2: Well, later this week, we got drag racing. So we've gone from uh, the World Series to the Clippers to drag racing. And, you know, as you mentioned, I've been traveling a lot. All this is really kind of kept me away from soccer how are the galaxy doing in the playoffs <laughs> uh,
1: about as well as you'd expect after their season that they had so um, although Hello, so, al- although quite well, all, I'm, I'm kind of a little shocked Kevin I think if the galaxy actually would have made the playoffs maybe they could have gone on a run because Houston uh, seems to have just knocked off Portland uh, you got Houston and Seattle you got Toronto and uh, Columbus I mean there's some underdogs that are still in this that you know the galaxy I don't, wouldn't say aren't ridiculously worse than, but, you know, there's still no chance they would ever be in the playoffs.
2: Well, you know, Houston, it's interesting. Since they moved from San Jose to Houston in 2006, do you know that the Dynamo have made seven conference finals in that time more than any other team? It's one more than the Galaxy made made five conference finals, so two more than them. Houston's made seven conference finals and four MLS Cup finals since 2006. The Galaxy also made uh, four MLS Cup finals, but they are not in the running to reach a fifth, and Houston still is. So, uh, a good run from them. And the other thing about the MLS playoffs, you mentioned some of the teams. Um, the, all the big market teams are out now. Uh, Chicago's out, LA's out. LA wasn't in. Um, the New York teams are out. Um, but playoff attendance is up 9% this year. The Ooh. average attendance is 25,296 um, up into the conference finals now. So uh, attendance is up 9% and this actually is a kind of a big year for MLS because they're not going to get the World Cup bump that they had been anticipating and frankly counting on next year. You know, ever since MLS f- was founded, the U.S. has made the World Cup uh, every four years and, and MLS has gotten a bump from that. And uh, as you might have mentioned, you know, soccer's on. Uh, people are talking about it, it's on TV, people are watching the World Cup. And then the, the big bump for MLS comes after the World Cup when they welcome back, you know, Josie Altador and Clint Dempsey and people come out to see the U.S. World Cup stars. Well, that's not going to happen this year. And uh, I, I think it's really going to hurt MLS. And I, I expect to see a lot of uh, MLS touting of uh, players from Honduras and Costa Rica and, and other places, uh, Mexico, whose teams are in the World Cup. But so the point is, this is a big year for MLS to, to, to rack up some numbers, both on TV and at the gate, because they're, again, not going to get that bump next summer.
1: Yeah, it's a it's an interesting time for Major League Soccer. Liz, I'm actually rather optimistic on this whole bump versus no bump versus you know how much of that was a real thing. I'm sure that they have numbers. I'm sure that they've been able to quantify what that MLS Cup or, or what the World Cup bump really looks like. But I'll tell you this: Are are you still going to watch the World Cup come whenever it comes around? And and I and I am right. So we're still going to watch. I think that's the majority of people who really cover or who really love the sport. Are there only American soccer fans? And I'm sure there are that only watch it every four years just to watch the United States. Because I would say that the U.S. isn't that good that you would sort of be almost command viewing all the time. I'm not discounting it, Kevin. I'm just saying I don't know how much of that really drives people who watch Major League Soccer. If you watch Major League Soccer already, aren't you already sort of invested in worldwide soccer and you're going to watch anyway? Is that is that too bland of a, a point on it?
2: Yeah, I think it is a little bit, because here's here's the way I think uh, you know outsiders look at it. You're right. I mean, you're a soccer guy. I'm a soccer guy. We're going to go to MLS games no matter what. We're going to watch MLS on TV. But you know, consider the example of the Olympics. I mean, Hussein Bold is the greatest sprinter of all time, and we watch him every four years. But you know what? He doesn't go home and sleep. He doesn't hibernate for the— The three years between Olympics, he's running all the time. Do we watch those events? Do we watch the Milrose Games? Do we watch the world championships? No, we see Hussein Bolt once every four years at the Olympics. And I think that the casual soccer fan is like that. Uh, they know some of the names. They know Messi. They know Ronaldo. They might know James Rodriguez. They probably know Chicharito because the name is so uh, it, it's a name that kind of sticks with you. So they know these people. But every four years, um, you know, the world's focus is on the World Cup and people sort of, uh, uh, you know, adopt a team and get involved. And then when it's over, they said, wow, that was a lot of fun. Let me see if there's any soccer in my area. And it's the same thing, I think, with. The Olympics, you know, after the Olympics, there is the, the European tour and people go out and watch those meets and then they don't show up for three years. So I do think there is something to it. But why we're talking about that, and since I already mentioned Chicharito, anyone who's been following the Premier League and, and know how West Ham United is struggling so so much, I I, I think we're going to start to see a, a, uh, a groundswell of, of news items coming up. I think Chicharito may wind up in MLS after this World Cup. I think with if West Ham is headed for relegation – Chicharito not having a good season on a team that's playing poorly. Um, I think uh, Chicharito could be coming to a MLS franchise near you real soon, and my bet would be the one that I've been betting on all along. I think he's going to wind up at uh, LAFC, probably coming right after the Olympics.
1: That would be uh, that would be another interesting turn of events for the LA Galaxy's newest neighbor um, with the new stadium, having Chicharito, who I think, uh, in my opinion, and and granted, it's a it's a poorly informed opinion because I don't watch the Mexican national team as uh, as much as I normally do, but probably the best-known Mexican player right now playing anywhere in the world so uh coming into LAFC and into a, a large Latino population a large Mexican population around Los Angeles you know we've said it, it it he is a talented player you know what he can do in MLS I'm sure is is going to be fun to watch so if he comes um you know it's going to be interesting to see how LAFC um you know uses him markets him and how LAFC does as a team obviously in its first year I just think it's a it's a no-brainer for. Him me kevin in terms of if you were going to bring somebody in especially in lafc's position uh to go after somebody like chicharito um even with uh with carlos villa already here um you know are already on the lafc team lafc team it's just i think it's just another good decision if they went that way
2: well you said you don't want the the the, uh, mexican national team you don't follow them closely because the reason i'm surprised by that is if you want to see you know, Gio and Jonathan play well, that's kind of where you got to
1: turn. Yeah, I know. That's that's what I usually catch highlights, and that's usually why, why I watch that. Um, but to be fair, I don't usually watch much of the U.S. Men's National Team either. Uh, I'm kind of a Galaxy person. I don't know if people could tell. Uh, I have so much Galaxy on my mind that I very rarely get to venture out and watch other things for, for pure joy. I watched three playoff games on Sunday, Kevin. Um, and I couldn't tell you the last time I watched three full soccer games in a day that didn't include include the LA Galaxy in, in sort of any any part of that.
2: Well, again, the, you said you don't watch the US national team and, and then you miss Chassie's best game of the season probably <laughs> in the in the Gold Cup. So, you got to watch those national team games and see your Galaxy players perform well because they they don't perform well at StubHub it seems.
0: It,
1: it certainly seems that way. Well, speaking of a uh, World Cup, a little LA Galaxy housekeeping news. L.A. Galaxy goalkeeper Clement Diop called up to the Senegal national team for World Cup qualifiers. Uh, Diop and Senegal will face South Africa in two consecutive contests, first on Friday, November 10th. At Peter Makaba Stadium in South Africa before a home contest on Tuesday, November 4th, at Stad Leopold Sadar Senghor in Senegal. So they have uh, they have two games, both against South Africa. The reason that there basically is a home and home sort of series to end out this round of World Cup qualifying is because this is the interesting part of this. Now the, the Diop part is just sort of okay. He hasn't played in any qualifiers. I don't think they expect him to play in any qualifiers, but he he's had forty-five minutes, you know, in a friendly versus Uganda, that, that's okay, that's fine. But the interesting part about this is the reason that they're playing one of these games is a full on match replay, Kevin. FIFA mandated that a World Cup qualifier between Senegal and South Africa be replayed after a non existent handball was called by referee Joseph Lampty of Ghana. All right, so he called it, and then the dude, this dude, this dude, I'm gonna call him a dude, this dude was found guilty. Of unlawfully influencing match results and was banned for life by FIFA, and then that that decision was upheld by the uh, Court of Arbitration for Sport. So, so the referee, the center referee, gives a, and by the way, this isn't his first uh, sort of foray into match fixing, it seems, or or at least influencing the game. Uh, he gives away a a. a fake handball that never hit anybody's hand to South Africa. South Africa converted gave them the only win of the group at that time over Senegal. Um, And then uh, the whole result was tossed out, Kevin, which hardly ever happens. So that game never happened. It's completely wiped away. Any stats from it are gone. It's like it never happened. So it's gone. Um, And so that first game where they're playing in South Africa is basically the replay of that game. And right now, Senegal Unlike the U.S. men's national team, Kevin, Senegal is on the verge of call, of qualifying for the World Cup uh, as they sit in first place with eight points in their uh, Group D of Africa qualifying. There, they have these remaining two games to play, uh, and they uh, they the rest of the teams that are are playing only have one, so um, it's it's very interesting. The other teams in that, by the way, uh, just in case you were. Interested were uh, Burkina Faso with six points, Cape Verde Islands with six points, and then South Africa with four points. And so uh, Senegal has uh, eight points at the very top right now, and right. so it's two games to and play.
2: Senegal needs just one point uh, out of those two games with last place South Africa to qualify. So it looks like they are on their way to the World Cup along with Iceland. Uh, they will not see the U.S. there. A couple of things. You know, you talk about the referee. I am shocked, shocked and appalled that there <laughs> would be such match fiction going on. In World Cup qualifiers in Africa, crazy. Uh, uh, Yes, I just unbelievable. And the second thing is uh, my second reaction to that story is Senegal must really have a hard time finding uh, goalkeepers if Clement Diop is going to go with them to the World
1: Cup. Yeah, a, a story that's yet to be published on on the Corner of the Galaxy will say that he has the worst goals against average of any Galaxy keeper. Uh, he was 4-8-3 on the entire year, uh, 15 starts, 1331 minutes, uh, conceded 31 goals on the year. So, hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Kevin. I think maybe they've uh, they've they've run out of people to call up. But again, he's not expected to start. I don't even know if he's a bench player at this point. I, I haven't seen a lot of uh, Senegalese uh, national national team games, uh, much like Mexican national team games or any of those others. So, so he
2: could be the Senegal Senegal's version
1: of Nick Ramondo. Is that what you're saying? He could be. He could be just there to keep the seat, the bench warm there at the end, um, or he could be you know in the 18 uh, starting lineup. He's like I said, he's only had 45 minutes. Um, ever for Senegal, um, and I think that happened back in June in a, in a friendly with Uganda. So a zero zero draw, so he didn't let any goals in. Um, but anyway, so Senegal and Clement Diab could be going to the 2018 FIFA World Cup in Russia, and the United States gets to sit at home. Just thought it was interesting. Just thought it would say, uh, The LA Galaxy's representative for the World Cup will be uh, Giovanni Dos Santos, uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, and, of course... Uh, clement dia that makes perfect sense after the season they had kevin
2: and you know he was born in paris it's through his family that he has senegalese descent um his parents uh, apparently had come to france from senegal um and he made his debut for he didn't play for them until this last june when he played uh it you said he made his debut against uganda in a friendly uh, which was a zero zero draw so he had a
1: shutout. Exactly. So there you go. He he did his job. So we're giving him crap. And uh and the, the dude's just out there just, just balling as best he can there, Kevin. Never um,
2: giving up a goal in an international game. There you go.
1: There you go. That's that that's the Clementi up that everybody knows. Uh the other story or something interesting that sort of came about uh 442s, Paul Tenorio wrote up a interesting article, something that I, I think really sort of puts into perspective, at least for me, Kevin. On what the future of Major League Soccer could look for, but more importantly, maybe what the what the future of the LA Galaxy could look for. Um, we remember the Dom Dwyer trade, Kevin. I, I think I think it was one of your favorites, <laughs> if if I remember correctly.
2: Right, and it, it's funny. It didn't hurt Sporting Kansas City really much at all. Orlando didn't go anywhere. Sporting Kansas City wound up with what a million dollars, and it all never should have happened, but it did, and it worked out really well for Sporting Kansas City, not so much for Orlando.
1: But it uh, apparently is now the wave of the future. Well, well, we'll see. It at least keyed off an important point. And the important point here was that it, it, it doesn't do MLS teams very much good. Oh, breaking, breaking news from Kevin Baxter again. Breaking news. Did you? Who, who's on the phone? Is it Donald Trump again? It is.
2: He's he's wondering what to do about this North Korean guy. He's uh, kind of <laughs> pissing him off again.
1: I gotcha. All right. No problem. But anyway, go back to it. Um, it it sort of has shown that in major league soccer, um, it is worth it more to transfer somebody interleague within the league than it would be to transfer somebody outside of the league. All right, and there's reasons for this, and there's caps put in place, and there's all sorts of different restrictions. So Paul Tenorio four four two basically comes out and, and describes, you know, sort of what happens. And right now, if you were going to transfer somebody, let's say like Giassi's artist, this is a good, this is a good one, Kevin. Let's say you are going to take Giassi's artist and you're going to transfer him overseas. Uh, you would be able to get whatever amount of money that is. Let's say it's seven million dollars, or let's say it's one million. One million makes it even better. Let's do one million dollars. So you get a million dollars. What would what happen is 25 percent of that 1 million dollars does not get to go back to the LA Galaxy 25 percent of that gets to go to Major League Soccer the league it goes back to the league and we go back to single entity and the fact that all the players have contracts with it with the league and not necessarily with the team and so when you go over all this you understand okay so 25 percent of a transfer fee gets taken by the league okay? That's something. So then the other part that sort of makes it not that great of a deal is that the most you're allowed to take... So let's say the LA Galaxy made... You know, we're able to transfer Jesse's artist for a million dollars. There's $750,000 of that gets the LA Galaxy get to keep. Well, right now, what they're saying is that only $650,000 and that's a hard cap. So if it was... More than $750,000, if it was $7 million or something like that, only $650,000 of that money is able to go towards first team as general allocation money and affect the team. So basically affect the salaries on the senior roster. Anything else outside of the six hundred and fifty has to be used other places. For coaches, uh, I think you can use it for future designated player Acquisitions, if you want to do that, so you could you could sort of save it that way. That would that would be that would be one way. But at the same time, it still caps you at six hundred and fifty thousand dollars of influence on that team, Kevin. So that's why it made so much sense for Sporting Kansas City to to, to trade Dom Dwyer to Orlando and get one one million, I think one point five million in in allocation money. I mean, it was a ton of allocation because they're able to use that allocation money, the one point five, well above the six hundred and fifty thousand dollar cap. All right. Does that does that make sense so far? Have I confused you or anybody else who's listening?
2: Yeah, well, obviously what they're doing is they're saying we want to keep our star players in MLS. We don't want to send them overseas. If 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 they have worn out their welcome with your team or they don't fit into your long term projections of what you're going to do, uh, you can trade them. But let's keep them in MLS. Let's keep our star, let's keep Dom Dwyer here and not send him uh, over to England or Scotland or wherever else he might go because we think he's a good player and he's a resource for us so let's make it attractive for those players to stay here and if we can't make it attractive for the players to want to stay here let's make it attractive for the teams to keep them here in some way shape or form
1: well okay so th- that's one take on it i'll tell you the other take of this is that if you were able to transfer a player overseas and let's say you got something like seven or eight million dollars for something and then you were able to take the seven or eight million dollars that's now more than the entire salary cap uh, of of you know the team of the three point nine or $4.1 million of the salary cap, all of a sudden you could have 6 or $7 million. Now, you know, the the parity, the forced parity that exists in Major League Soccer goes out the window because all of a sudden you have all this more money to spend than everybody else, okay? So that was the other thing. So yes, trying to keep the, the big players within Major League Soccer, but also trying to force the parity, which is, hey, I'm glad you got up a guy that, you know, wants to go somewhere else and I'm glad he wants to go overseas, but, you know, you're only allowed to use $650,000 of that because that's... Fair. That's what we deem as fair to the rest of the teams because we don't want you going out and spending three million dollars, three extra. Imagine if you got three million dollars in general allocation money, you were suddenly able to throw against the cap, Kevin. You basically could get a lot of players. For um, for 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 that money, and so it, it goes. That's sort of one of the things they're saying. Well, Paul Tenorio writes in four four two, uh, basically that MLS is looking at changing some of those rules, and part of it has to do with homegrown players, and that's why Giacchi's artist was such a sort of good example to use. So now the proposed rule out there is uh, currently it's the, that the league gets twenty five percent. The proposed rule is that the team would get to keep one hundred percent of the transfer fee for homegrown players. So they want to reward teams, Kevin, that uh, are able to develop the talent and then sell that talent overseas. They want to do it. And the other part of this is that the cap, that $650,000, they're thinking about increasing it and they're thinking about moving it. And then that cap would move over the years um, you know, in the upward direction so that way teams would be able to keep and then use more of that money for their senior team roster to reward the teams that develop players
2: now what happens if you take a player that you brought in say someone maybe named Jonathan Dos Santos and you brought them in and they're not a homegrown player and now you want now you want to transfer them to you say he was going to go back to Europe how much of the money that you were tra- that how much of the transfer fee would the galaxy be able to keep
1: yeah i don't there's it's different because he's a designated player you get to keep some of that in terms of looking for another designated player so you may be able to keep you first of all i think you'd be out the 25% again All right, so you'd be out the 25%. So whatever it was, minus 25% because the league gets to keep that. Then whatever it is, the cap still applies, $650,000. But you can keep the money that you make for a future designated player. So if you take that money and you put it in the bank, so let's say you were able to transfer Jonathan Dos Santos and you got $5 million for it. So 25% of that would go to the league. You are allowed to use $650,000 against the cap. But if you were going to get another player as a designated player, you could use that money to buy another designated player. And I don't believe there's any cap on that.
2: Well, I'm so sorry I asked that question because now I'm totally confused. But the reason I asked that is because you remember you were standing right next to me when we asked Chris Klein about bringing in three designated players, and he said, you know, that that these players are now a resource that if we want to say transfer Jonathan Dos Santos, uh, we can do that and we'll get our money back. And and uh, it, it sounds like they may get a percentage of that money back, but they may have to sell him for much more than they paid for him in order to get. Uh, You know, fully reimbursed for the money that they spent. But the rest of the stuff, which uh, still it largely clear as mud, I'm interested in a number of different reasons. One is one thing going back to my other sport, one thing a baseball general manager taught me a long time ago was that players, people, fans especially tend to look at players and say, "Okay, we've got a great first baseman or we've got a great center forward. Uh, And and that's the way they see it. General managers and, and, and good player personnel people don't look at the players that way. They look at the players as resources. This is a player. I don't need another center forward. What I need is a a defensive midfielder, but I can trade my excess center forward. And get a defensive midfielder or get the money to buy them. So, in other words, the players are resources. You don't necessarily have to use the player as he is. You can trade him to get what you want. It sounds like MLS is starting to move in that direction where you can have resources that you can move around and not necessarily develop the player for your first team, but develop the player to be a resource for you to go out and get what you need. It also seems to to me the way that Paul's story describes it is that they are trying to get these, they are trying to go to teams that have good academies like. Salt Lake, like Philadelphia, like the Galaxy, uh, and are good at developing players and saying, look, you guys are really good at this, but you still only have 18 players that you can dress for a game, and yet you have this incredible academy system. So with these excess players, again, using the term resource, let's allow you to use these players that you have developed as resources. Um, You know, maybe Columbus needs one of the players that you have. In, In the past, Columbus would have had to go without that player and you would have had to have this guy play for Galaxy 2 forever and a day. Now you can trade him. He gets to play in MLS. You get the resource, the money, whatever it is that you need back. Everybody's happy. Uh, the player. There's a reason for you to continue developing players. There's a reason for players, for other teams to trade, to get those players and pay for them. It, it seems like a really good idea, as I understand it. And then the last piece of that puzzle is... Um, Everybody knows, you're well aware, I'm a huge Bruce Arena fan, and I thought that he was extremely good at manipulating MLS rules. I don't think he ever violated them, but I think he pushed the envelope quite a bit. This sounds like one of those complicated rules where uh, it's it's going to make a lot of uh, people far more intelligent than you and I. It's going to make their eyes gloss over. These are the kind of things that Bruce, uh, he, he ate this stuff for breakfast. I, I can imagine Bruce manipulating this rule and winding up with I don't know, half a Barcelona's starting lineup at some point, <laughs> just the way he was so good at that. Uh, the current uh, front office group at the Galaxy, not so much. I'm not sure that they're going to uh, be able to really take advantage of this. Like, Like, perhaps Bruce might have been able to.
1: Well, you know, for me, it's about finally turning Major League Soccer into a competitor on the world market in terms of, you know, players. And most leagues, and I've said this for years, uh, most leagues are selling leagues, all right? You have very few that are buying leagues. I mean, obviously, English Premier League, La Liga, all the top leagues in the world, those are the teams, or those are the leagues that buy players. For the most part, you go around and even some of those secondary, you know, not quite the top, even the Serie A's and, and you know, some of those other, you know, maybe the, the leagues in Portugal, they, they're selling leagues, alright? And that's what they do, and that's how they make their money, and that's how they continue to develop talent, and that's how they continue to get, you know, other players. So for the LA Galaxy right now, if they were going to trade Giassi's artist within the league, it makes no sense. He's a homegrown player to them. Certain amount, $150,000 of his uh, salary... Is off the books uh, because he's a homegrown player. Uh, He usually gets exempt from being, you know, having to be protected in drafts and things of that nature. Uh, Right now, he's using targeted allocation money, but for the most part, it's it's worth the LA Galaxy so much more to keep him than it is to trade him or transfer him because of all the restrictions that are put on it. If you lift those restrictions, if you allow the LA Galaxy to recoup 100% of the fee, now all of a sudden it becomes a lot more interesting to look at moving Giassi's artists because if you can get somebody overseas who is looking to to play him and, and Alexi Lawless I think said it on uh, on the last show he said you know maybe it's time that a change in scenery for both for the LA Galaxy to trade Giassi's artists and maybe it's time Giassi's artists go somewhere else and a change of scenery really revamps the career all those things can be good things but ultimately for the Galaxy it's never been worth it and so, if you can sell him for three or four million dollars overseas, not saying that that's what it is, but let's use those numbers, three or four, all of a sudden, that three or four million dollars becomes useful to the LA Galaxy. Six hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of cap relief becomes useful to the LA Galaxy. They get to use the rest of it for coaches and training staff, and you know, other other academy programs and everything else. so that money goes to use. If you can make that worth MLS teams while, I think you would see some of the players, like guys who have just been forever stuck on LA Galaxy 2, uh, Jose Villarreal, maybe Jack McBean, uh, Jaime Villarreal, uh, you know, some of these other guys who just keep playing on LA Galaxy 2, come up for a little bit but never really show a punch. Maybe it would finally be worth it to move those players out of the league and you would get some return on your investment because the Galaxy are sinking a lot of money into this academy. We know they are. We know that uh, that Phil Anschutz is, is very aware of the fact that they're sinking a lot of money into it. And so if you can turn it into a profitable solution there, Kevin. If you can turn it into something the LA Galaxy can bank on, all of a sudden... These options open themselves up to not only the LA Galaxy, but Major League Soccer teams. And it involves Major League Soccer across the world as well. If you're selling more players across the world, then more people are paying attention to who you're developing, where they're coming from, and where they could possibly go to. So in my mind, it really sets up Major League Soccer to be the type of league they need to be, which is a selling league and somebody who is producing talent that can then therefore be scattered worldwide.
2: Well, it's kind of you know it's kind of Jurgen Klinsmann's wet dream. Get American players in Europe, and that would be a way to do it, as you said. Some of these uh, younger players who who you know maybe don't see a, uh, a clear path to the first team, they can go play in some of these smaller teams in Europe or, or even in South America, and you know Brazil and and Argentina and some of the leagues there, uh, you know Mexico. Um, again, you know, i just go back to the original point. It, it makes these players an asset, uh, you know, for the team. It allows teams with good academies that are spending money on it, like the Galaxy, it allows them to use those academies now to make money. They're, it's not a, a you, know, it, you know, they look at the academy now and the Galaxy are spending money and they, they're losing money in the academy because they have no way uh, to monetize those resources. Now they do have a way to do that. Um, and, it, you know, it, it makes the players want to try harder, too, because now they, they say, hey, you know, you talk to players in other leagues and they say at this time of year when, the, you know, the uh, the trade market is beginning in Major League Baseball, players will tell you, look, I'm not just playing to impress my manager. I'm playing to impress other managers, too. They might want to make a trade for me and that might open up a situation for me where I can play. Um, and it, do I understand this correctly, that in addition to selling homegrown players and keeping the money – the, these new rules would make it easier to trade players within MLS. Is that also accurate?
1: I mean, I would say that right now the the mechanism already exists to be able to trade players within Major League Soccer, and we, we've seen it. But it, I hopefully it would, I think, tip the scales a little bit in terms of, at least how I read it, Kevin, uh, it would tip the scales in terms of making transfers outside of Major League Soccer, also a palatable thing instead of it just being and granted, we don't see that many of them, but you saw the Dom Dwyer trade and you saw how profitable it can be for uh, teams inside. So you you need that a little bit more even tip of the scales there, especially for homegrown players, because you look and homegrown players aren't going anywhere. Um, because they're staying, because they're too valuable as that homegrown asset. Uh, The league put a lot of value on them, and now they're so valuable that it's difficult to get your value from anyone else within the league, because then that would sort of negate the homegrown player um, aspect of it anymore. And then, so if you can take it outside, it would make that, um, you know, at least value-wise, it it would make it a a better proposition for teams. Does Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, but I, I guess what I'm getting at is, is, I would wish, I would hope that at some point, uh, players could be traded within the league. I don't understand why it doesn't happen more often because the league is paying the salary. If Giassi's artist is making a million dollars for the Galaxy and then he went to Seattle and he's making a million dollars there, uh, largely the the you know it it does some uh, change some bookkeeping for those two teams, but largely MLS is responsible for a lot of that salary. So, uh, you know, the, it's not the uh, this, the contract doesn't become an obstacle to that. It, it It's just some of the internal uh, bookkeeping on the two teams and their salary cap. And, you know, again, you talk about uh, Jassy's artist could benefit with a change of scenery. Well, it, if he's a homegrown player and he's too valuable to move and he has to stay here simply because, uh, you know, it, it doesn't look good to take that financial hit – That doesn't help the player. That doesn't help the galaxy. That doesn't help the team that could benefit from him. You see that in every other sport, and it's one of the most enjoyable things about the sport, playing sort of the front office uh, general manager at home and saying, why don't we trade this guy and we get this guy back, and this is the position where we need help, and we have an excess guy at this position. Um, you see a lot of uh, fan, a lot of fan interest around trade deadlines in every sport, and and I think Major League Soccer has missed out on that, and that's one of the reasons so many teams are so stagnant and insular, is because they keep the same players, because there's not a mechanism for their for them to strengthen the team by again using those players as assets and going out and, and shoring up areas where they needed help. You know, the Galaxy had a ton of midfielders and no defenders this year. What if in the, at the beginning of the season they would have been able to move? one of those midfielders and pick up a defender. Would it have changed their season? Probably not. I think this was a lost season no matter what happened. But you you can see the possibility of saying, oh, God, here's an unexpected injury to Robbie Rogers. We really need a right back. We've got too many midfielders. Let's move Bajo Husidich and some cash and see if we can get a right back back from somebody else. That that kind of stuff is fun, and I think Major League Soccer is missing out on that.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I would like to see a lot more uh, a lot more trades happen inside of the league. I think it would be a lot more fun. Uh, let's see. One last thing that we can uh, we can sort of come on, uh, Kevin. I know that you did a uh, a story on Sebastian Legette, and sort of look back at you know how a healthy Sebastian Legette uh, could have saved this LA Galaxy team, perhaps in uh, in 2017 but I mean you know just just on the face of it and I'll let you sort of explain you know some of the story that you wrote um just on the face of it you look at 2018 now and we've talked about hey possibly getting another player um and it's almost like getting a new player if when Sebastian LeJet comes back he got Baggio Hucidich back at the end of the season um you know which was he's a great depth player but From all accounts, we were talking about it before the season, Kevin. We watched him play for the U.S. Men's National Team beforehand. uh, Games I actually watched. Uh, This was a guy who was poised to break out and sort of have his defining moment, I think, of his career. And instead, he breaks his foot. I mean, uh, you know, how important is Sebastian Legette to this team?
2: Well, I thought there was some real chemistry between Sebastian Legette and Ramon Alessandrini, and I thought it was showing really good early. Now you go back and look at the stats as I did in writing that story and nothing really jumps out at you except for if you watched those games, you saw how those two guys were working really well together and were getting to build something. And I think it would have just increased over the course of the season. Um, obviously one guy was not going to, again, save this galaxy season, uh, but I, I do think it would have helped. I do think building that chemistry and taking that into next year would have helped a lot. Uh, one big part of the story though was, um, there's been a lot of happy talk around uh, seb you know he's coming back he's healthy again he's he's you know got away from the game and he's cleared his mind a little bit a lot of these things seb told me that when he's alone at home at night he'll wake up in a cold sweat and the fears of am i gonna be as good as i was am i gonna come back 100 percent um those fears have been following him all summer and into the fall the worries about uh, you know as you and I talked about, he was, I thought he was going to have a tremendous season and he did too. He felt great and everything was going his way. And then this injury happens and you've seen other players come, you know, before that get injured and they just don't come back. They're just not the same player for whatever reason. He's a year older. Uh, this was a key uh, year in his, uh, soccer development. Um, so he's worried too. Is he going to come back as the same player? And this, you know, when you look at the midfield, um, this is what I'm going to be watching with Ziggy Schmidt to, to really see. This is where I think he's going to tip his hand. What kind of team are we going to have? Is the Galaxy going to have next season? Uh, the big decision will be made in the midfield, and I think it involves Jermaine Jones. Because right now, if I were making a starting lineup, it would be Drini and um, Seba would be on the wings. And in the middle, I would have – got to play Jonathan. I would play – Yao Pedro, he's the guy that we uh, were told was going to be the next big thing, and uh, the Galaxy invested a lot of money and a lot of attention, well, not a lot of money, but certainly a lot of attention in bringing him over here. Remember, they gave him the number eight until Jonathan showed up, and then they kind of kicked uh, Jao Pedro to the curb and changed his number to 88. looks like a tight end now. But if those are the guys going forward, and Jao Pedro is your future, bringing back a 36-year-old Jermaine Jones at the kind of money that he's going to want shows me that that Ziggy really didn't learn a lot by watching the team this season. I know that that, uh, Jermaine Jones is Ziggy's favorite. He's the guy that gave him at the armband at the end of the year, but he's a guy who's going to cost a lot of money. He's a guy that it's an injury risk as he gets older. Uh, He's a guy that's not popular in the dressing room. We know that uh, he's not popular with his teammates, Um, but he's a Ziggy guy. So uh, this is where I'm going to watch what uh, Ziggy's motions and and maneuvers and what he's going to do next. If he brings Jermaine Jones back – I think it's a bad sign for the Galaxy. If he moves on from Jermaine Jones and decides that the midfield that we just described is the one that he's going to want going forward, I think the Galaxy have have a chance to sort of erase last season and build something new going forward.
1: Yeah, I, I think the question over where is Sebastian Lejet's best position is going to be raised again. Um, you know, like we said, uh, you know, Joao Pedro, what does he do? You, you have to remember that in this next season that Joe Pedro very well could be one of the cheaper players on the entire field um, at I think only hundred and fifty thousand dollars in total salary um, and I think that the targeted allocation money might even go away because of the transfer fee being eaten up in the in the Tam in his first year so um, he he ends up being a very A very cheap option, and because that, I don't know if there's going to be a ton of pressure to play him anymore, Kevin, so I think that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Is Sebastian Leggett a middle guy? Is he out on the wing? If he's out on the wing, is Boateng, you know, a super sub again? Is Boateng a guy you can trade for? I mean, we've talked about the musical chairs you can play in the midfield. Uh, Sebastian Leggett has to be a starter for this LA Galaxy team. I don't think anybody's going to argue against that, but I, I mean, we just saw a guy come back from injury and struggle with confidence and struggle with, you know, regaining the form that he had beforehand and Jossie artist. I think that there still should be a lot of trepidation in, in uh, LA Galaxy supporters' minds of what it's going to be like whenever Sebastian Legette comes out. I, I think that while Legette also, while he wakes up in the middle of the night, Kevin, uh, in cold sweats and wonders how good he's going to be, I think that uh, Siggy Schmidt might also wake up in cold sweats uh, thinking about how good Sebastian Legette, it could be uh, this year. Or, and I think that LA Galaxy fans are... Uh, do the same thing, wondering if he's going to regain that same sort of form uh, that he was showing at the beginning of this year. It could be a matter of how good Sebastian Legette is, is how good the LA Galaxy can be. Because if he's going to be a scoring threat, is if he's going to be a creator. If you're going to have two creators and Roman Alessandrini and Sebastian Legette on opposite wings, able to dart in and out and and sort of uh, you know transition between each other and swap positions between each other and just make it difficult you're starting to play with fire here or you're starting to cook well, with fire. So I think that's, that's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, really what Sebastian Legette is in 2018.
2: Well, I'm going to agree with you. And I'm going to push back a little bit. I'm going to agree with you uh, and say that, you know, uh, Allison dream or uh, that Seba could definitely be, a guy who could play in the middle, and I think he gives you a lot of options, especially late in games when you uh, when you need to have some extra attacking midfielders. You can put another guy on there, and Seba can move to the middle and, and kind of be a playmaker. Um, it, you're right about Jassy's artist, and I think this is a really important thing. Jossie, it was a different injury, but it was similar. It was a foot injury. It was a fractured bone in the foot um Seba's is a little bit different. It's a little bit more complicated, but it's essentially the same thing. It's essentially a, a broken foot, a fracture in, in his foot. And as you mentioned, Giaz, artist artists had a hard time coming back. Seba's injury is a little bit uh, more complicated. So uh, th- he told me, he said, one of the things he told me is he said, I've gone to a lot of dark places. You know, there have been a lot of really bad times this this summer. So definitely something to watch. I, but where I want to push back on you is I, I think, I don't think Gia Pedro uh, – Regardless of the price or the contract or whatever, I don't think he's a guy that's going to have really an effect coming off the bench. I think if you're going to get anything out of Jal Pedro, I think he needs to be a 90-minute player Mm -hmm. uh, as a defensive midfielder. So he would be a guy that I – in my perfect lineup, he starts uh, Boatengs on the bench because he is a game changer when he comes off the bench. So is Bradford Jamison and I think Gary Lasseter. Those guys coming off the bench – um, have a much bigger impact than Jao Pedro. I keep Jao Pedro on there, and then if you're behind or you need to uh, to come from behind, you need to push for a point, whatever it is, uh, late in the game, you take Jao Pedro off, you move Seba into the middle, you bring one of those other guys, Boateng or, or Lasseter or whomever, on to play the wing, and all of a sudden uh, you have changed your team Drastically. It's kind of like when you used to bring Alan Gordon in off the bench, and all of a sudden, the team that was playing on the ground is now all of a sudden playing in the air, and defenses had, I think, a difficult time adjusting to that. And that's why Alan Gordon was such a great player late in games. I, I you know, when I'm looking at this midfield, I mean, it, it, it kind of gets you a little bit excited when you think about the fact that you could have a Boateng coming off, uh, coming on for a Jao Pedro in the in the 65th minute, and, and again, move Seba to the middle, and uh, he and Jonathan are playmakers, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, you have a very dynamic midfield. Yep. I, I kind of like that idea.
1: I do too. I, I think that's a great point and, and I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you on that. All right. Um, anything else on, uh, on Sebastian lejet I mean, do you, what does your gut tell you right now? I mean, my gut, and I'll, I'll go first. So that way I can be wrong first. Uh, and I'm the one who started this. My gut tells me that he's not going to have any problems adjusting and he's going to come back and there may be some growing pains and it may take him, you know, the first third of the season, um, it really to get things going again. But, you know, I expect that just the competitor he is and the way that he plays, and, you know, as long as that foot is healed, that he's going to be a, a the player that the Galaxy remember. Um, But I will say this, Kevin, that it does, there are some dark times. I mean, if you look at the LA Galaxy over the last year and all of the injuries they've had and just even people recovering and coming back from those injuries, they all seem to have taken longer. Um, they all seem to have not gone the way that everybody expected them to go. Uh, and the players who came back for the most part, um, you know, were effective up to a certain point. Um, but still, I think you always had it in the back of your mind that this person was coming off an injury.
2: Well, once again, it's one of those 50, 50 balls where you can look at the, uh, at, you can look at it from both sides. One is the galaxy, uh, the correct PR staff, at the galaxy said that Seba would be back uh, on the field training in August and probably playing in September It's now November. He still has not trained yet. He had to go back in for an operation in the middle of October. Uh, Ziggy described it as a cleanup operation, just to take out some of the hardware that uh, the doctors had inserted into his foot. And he didn't. He said it wasn't really a a setback in the rehabilitation. But uh, at that point, Seba was very close to training, and now he hasn't trained since then. So, in a sense, it has set him back a month. It's it's pushed him back. Uh, from getting on the field at least a month. And my understanding is he still hasn't taken part in soccer activities. So, um, you know, best case scenario now looks like December before he starts training in a meaningful way, if even then. And Ziggy has been clear he wants his first training session to take place in 2017 not 2018. He doesn't want to wait. Remember, uh, that was uh, Jassy's thing. Jassy waited until the U.S. national team camp in January before he started training again. And, and, and Ziggy's mindful of that and doesn't want that to happen again. So um, it, it was it really a setback? I, I tend to believe that the Galaxy PR staff were just pulling dates out of their rear ends and really had no idea when he was coming back. And I think this was always going to be a, an injury that was probably going to cost him the season. So I don't read too much in that. I do worry about the, the second operation that had to uh, push his return to the practice field back a month. As far as the, the comparison between Jossie and, and Seba, if people that know them, Giassi's a little bit more of a quiet guy. It seems to me a little bit more of a, not brooding necessarily, but sort of introspective, spends a lot of time thinking about things. I think maybe the injury haunted him a little bit more and, and he was much more conscious of it coming back. And then he had the knee surgery after he, he, he came back. I think he spent a lot more time thinking about it and, and stressing over it. I don't see Seba as that kind of guy. I see Seba as a kind of guy that sort of reacts to things a little bit. So the fact that he is concerned and he has gone to these dark places this summer is a little bit worrisome. But I think once he gets back on the field, uh, I think muscle memory takes over. I think his confidence will return. Um, I don't see it dragging out uh, through the whole season like it did with Giassi. I, I think Seba Seba may not be the player he was when he got hurt. It may take a while for him to get back there but I don't think he's going to have a uh, a, a completely lost season like Jassy did.
1: Well, only 77 days until the preseason starts, Kevin. Not that anybody is counting here. Of course not. Uh, the LA Galaxy have a lot of stuff to do. Uh, listen, I think uh, on Thursday's show where uh, I was able to talk to uh, Dominic Kinnear and Alexi Lawless, uh, we talked a little bit about how the LA Galaxy were going through the uh, the exit interviews with Siggy Schmidt. Um, I said I didn't expect anything to come of that, and it seems that nothing has come of that. So decisions still yet to be made about who's staying, who's going, and everything else in between. I think Siggy Schmidt has a plan. I think Dominic Kinnear is in on that plan. I think these guys are understanding what they need to do in, in terms of rebuilding For next year, and uh, so I think that they're they're on top of it right now, and and that's sort of you know that they're going to start working their plan. So will we hear something soon? Yes, I think we will, um, but it's still probably going to have to wait until very near where MLS Cup is finally over because usually things are are, are put under wraps until then. And so that's what we expect uh, here to happen as well, that you're not going to hear about players who won't have their contracts renewed. Now, the, the expansion draft comes into play and the waiver wrap, draft comes into play very quickly. By those times, you will have to know who is in, who is out, and everything else that's sort of in between, uh, especially for that waiver draft for guys who's their options they're not going to pick up and who are not eligible for um, for free agency, so everything is going to come to a head here pretty quickly. Um, but for right now, it's going to remain quiet. I think until after MLS Cup, where you're going to see uh, the Houston Dynamo take on Toronto FC. That's those are my predictions, by the way. T- predictions known to be wrong, Kevin. Uh, those are my predictions right now. So uh, so that's where we get. You have predictions for MLS Cup. Do you want to be wrong too?
2: Yeah, Dominic Dwyer is not going to be traded to any of those teams.
1: <laughs> it's probably probably not, although. Although I don't know, Kevin, maybe th- maybe that will happen. Maybe that will happen. All right. So um, let's see. Is there anything else you want to get to before we get out of here? No, we got no questions. No one cares about us anymore. No, it's it's the off season. I mean, you know, oh. I've I've taken to growing a beard. Uh, I'm still remodeling the uh, the the studio, so no live shows uh, yet. But hopefully, here in the very near future, I had I had uh, Larry uh, Larry Morgan came dressed in his David Beckham uh, t-shirt to help me paint. Um, so thanks Larry for coming in and help me paint, paint the, uh, the studio a little bit, but, uh, it did look like David Beckham had lost a step whenever he came in. <laughs> uh, so yeah, same hair, same hair, by the way, Larry and Dave, I think have the same hair at one point. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. So no, that's it. That's all we got.
2: So where's, what's going on with our big off-season uh, activity, our big uh, uh, dinner or uh, drinks or whatever we're going to do
1: for our... Yeah, we're going to do something. Uh, we You and I have to talk about it. That's the thing. And you have been busy, so I've been sort of waiting. But this week is when we can probably figure that out and then let people know here in the next week or uh, or two weeks and uh, and get it all planned. All right?
2: Well, you're, you're being more secretive than Ziggy Schmidt here. I I have a plan.
1: I have a plan. I'm going to work the plan. You know, plan your work, work okay. your plan. That's how it works. And we'll, we'll see how it goes. All right. Uh, If you don't have anything and I don't have anything, then we should probably go. All right. Yeah, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter, it's at kbaxter11 on Twitter. And, of course, head on over to latimes.com where you can read all of his interesting articles covering the NBA, soccer, hockey, and drag racing, apparently, this week as well. So make sure you check out Kevin at the latimes.com. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, at JGuesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Uh, Cornerofthegalaxy.com is where you can find the podcast right now and all of our written articles as well. Any team news that comes out, we'll be, do our best to get it up there and, and written about uh, very, very quickly. So that's what we got. Uh, We will be back again for a Thursday night show. Again, not live, but I might have a few guests uh, up my sleeves, at least planned for right now. So we'll see how that Thursday turns out. All right, for Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Guessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box
0: on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at galaxy podcast and be sure to check out and subscribe to itunes stitcher and facebook by searching for corner of the galaxy and for all of your independent la galaxy news discussion and entertainment including this podcast head on over to corner of the fans thanks for listening we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everyone.